All right, and we're back for another episode of Inside Sports Fantasy Football. It's Joe Glassford coming right back at you here from Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly want to thank you for listening to all of our great shows. And if you get a chance, please go ahead and give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts for any one of our channels. Or also as well, like, subscribe, whatever you can do to support the show. It is truly, truly appreciated. Well, he's back again on one of the biggest weeks of the NFL calendar. It is the NFL draft coming as we're recording this. It's going to be coming on the 23rd of April. Looking forward to it, this three-day extravaganza. Not quite what the NFL had, uh, how should I say, not, not quite what they had in mind when it concerns that type of, of scenario for a draft. I mean, it's not the big extravaganza, 500,000 people in Las Vegas, the whole nine yards that they had planned. But it is something that I think they're still going to go ahead with that is needed for sports fans out there. So just so you know, they can go ahead and talk about stuff right now going on in the world outside of coronavirus. And here today to talk to me about the NFL draft, about some of the storylines and themes going on as we head into the NFL draft is my good friend again, Coming right back at you here from Inside Sports. If you want to go ahead and talk to him on the Twitter, he is always available at Chris L Sports. It is my good friend. It is Chris Sardieri. And Chris, NFL draft time. Gerald, thanks. Great to be back. And uh, yeah, we sports fans that are starved for any sort of uh, live event in the sports world. Our, our wait's finally over come this Thursday night. And like you said, I know it won't be the traditional one with the pomp and circumstances and Roger Goodell getting booed every time he uh, introduces the latest pick, but we'll take it. Even if it's virtual, we'll have uh, something real to watch. And I know the gamblers out there are excited because I'll have something to wager on. You know, it is something to wager on. I think the first pick is pretty steady. I think the first pick is pretty much a lock at this point in time. If it isn't, I can't, I, I don't know who it would be. I mean, I know when you read the mock drafts or the player evaluations that are that there's a couple of players maybe rated ahead of him, but Joe Burrow, he's going to be the, the top player that's picked in this draft. I mean, after that Heisman Trophy winning season, just the truly outstanding play that he provided for LSU on its way to a championship. I mean, those gaudy numbers that he has. I mean, there is really at this point in time, no other choice. Yeah, I completely agree. Short of the Bengals trading out of the pick, and we know uh, that's Mike a possibility. Brown tends to not. Yeah, I know historically he hasn't, but the only way the Bengals don't take him, I say, is if they deal out and get some offer that knocks their socks off. I mean, uh, Burroughs from Ohio, Andy Dalton hasn't been the answer in Cincinnati the past few years. So it's a team in rebuild mode. Why not do it with the, uh, the top college quarterback coming out? I can tell right now that a lot of people are excited because I think he's going to be the real deal. I think, yeah, obviously there's a learning curve that's going to take place, but I think he is the real deal. I think he's someone that is very talented and I think someone that can go ahead and produce a lot for the NFL. Is he going to be the saving grace for Cincinnati? If you don't block him, if you don't run for him, and if you don't get open for him on the passing lanes, he can only do so much. But I think he does have the sheer talent. And he played in a really, really good pro-style offense, in my opinion, that is conducive for the NFL. 
Yeah, I agree. I think he's got the the physical and mental capabilities to uh, to be a starting quarterback long term in the NFL. You hit the nail on the head. And uh, I think now at this point, it's just a matter of uh, him going to the team uh, affectionately known in some circles as the Bungles. Can they get their act together and surround him with players? A.J. Green's a, a star-wide receiver, but injury-prone and aging. So there's a lot of work to be done. And, and like you said, he's going to need to be protected. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the time to throw the ball, you're getting decked constantly. That all goes out the window in the NFL. This is true, but I think he is a you know can't miss opportunity as far as Cincinnati is concerned. You got to go ahead and pick him at that spot. But seeing how quarterback is the most important position, and some quarterbacks in this draft will be moved up higher than what their draft evaluation says it will. I think a lot of people are talking about Justin Herbert, Tua Tagliova from Alabama, and there's just so many quarterbacks out there in the first two rounds that could go. I want to hear your thoughts on the quarterback mix in the NFL draft. And, you know, tell, tell me about more about some of these quarterbacks outside of Joe Burrow that you think can provide an impact for teams in the NFL. Yeah, I think the big two are uh, Tua and Justin Herbert out of Oregon. And, and you, at this time last year, everyone thought Tua would be the number one consensus. The Miami Dolphins, who everyone was convinced was going to go 1-15 uh, perhaps, were on a uh, tank for Tua mission, pulling an NBA-style tank job. That didn't pan out. But the ironic thing is the way the draft's going to fall, the teams in front of them, unless they trade out, likely aren't going to draft quarterbacks, and they may still end up with them. That said, given the coronavirus pandemic, Two has had a number of injuries, including a serious one last year that ended his season prematurely. So is this guy healthy? Is the NFL ready? Is he brittle and injury prone? No one seems to know. Guy's got all the talent in the world, played with a phenomenal set of wide receivers at Alabama, can run. He's got a, uh, a good arm uh, from what we can tell is a good uh, good nose for the and feel for the game. He's been working with former NFL quarterback Trent Dilfer, but uh Again, no one knows, is he healthy enough? No one can even get in front of this guy to give him a physical. So um, we're starting to hear some buzz, too, that teams maybe like the Chargers, like Justin Herbert better. The guy's got the build and the uh, and the footwork to be an NFL quarterback, but does he have the arm? We don't know. The system he played in Oregon, uh, you hear some scouts now criticizing whether he can really throw the ball downfield. He did a lot of running, even in the Rose Bowl victory over Wisconsin. So, uh you know, once, the, once the scouts get their proverbial fangs into these guys, they start dissecting uh, every little fault or weakness that they have. So those are the two big names behind Burrow that I think everyone's got their eyes on right now. I think Justin Herbert, obviously he's not – he's very talented, very steady. I think that it's attractive that he's also not been, had had that major injury like Tua – Tagovailoa, my son had to teach me how to say that one. It took me good yes. six to nine months. Tua Tagovailoa, there you go. Tua Tagovailoa, <laughs> got it right there for you. Tua Tagovailoa, I'm sure we're going to be saying it when he starts throwing touchdowns in the NFL, but that's the only question. I think he is. What I almost think he's as talented as Joe Burrow, but that health issue I think is what's holding him back. So we'll see what happens. The medicals check out. Who's going to be interested in him? I mean, the, he's a long time. He's a longtime prospect for the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins on a lot of mock drafts have been circled or penciled in with Tua. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to continue to be the case. And like you said, with the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers, who 
Uh, I was kidding with my friend Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net on my Lakers Fast Break show that the Chargers have like a you know 1% right now on a recent Loyola Marymount study or a poll, excuse me, poll that the there's only 1% of fans out there in Elliott that actually likes the Chargers. Maybe Justin Herbert can be that <laughs> magic elixir that gets them maybe up to five, maybe even six percent. Hard to say at this point, but they're really facing an uphill battle here in LA. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing of the two, I, I would think Tua would have more buzz as a quarterback. Not to disparage anything Herbert's done or will do in the NFL, but just for that kind of it factor, you, you'd think it'd be Tua. But who knows? There's been some rumblings this week that the Dolphins like Herbert better. Could that be them just doing their typical April poker and trying to trade out of that spot to see what kind of demand there is for that number five pick? Uh, well, it's also sure, the fact. But, uh, it's also that that injury, that that hip injury for Tua, has got to be a key. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and you know, really, I think this is the most scrutinized hip since Bo Jackson in the NFL, right? I don't uh, don't recall anyone else with this much talent having an issue with a hip. Well, there's also other great players in the NFL draft. I mean, there's there's a ton of talent at wide receiver, from what I'm seeing. Uh, defensive line at the top of the draft is going to be something a lot of, you know, a couple of teams are going to be focusing on because there's some good defensive linemen. And that seems to be the theme in the NFL drafts, you know, for the most part. I mean, obviously Saquon Barkley, you know, being picked as high as he was is a little bit different from the norm in recent times. But for the most part, we've been seeing quarterbacks or defensive linemen at the top of the draft. So I want to hear your thoughts and a mix of the offensive line as well. But mainly defensive line and the quarterback. Why are those two positions seemingly year in, year out, the top two desired positions at the top of the NFL draft? I think it's because, uh, as we've seen in the NFL, if you have a pass rush or you can get to the quarterback, you're going to win games. And um, you look at how the, the two Super Bowl participants got there. The Chiefs redid their defensive line. And uh, while the team struggled, probably up through the midway point of the season, Steve Spagnuolo turned that around to the point where, not that the Chiefs were a dominant defense, but they had a lot more effectiveness rushing the passer and then having Tyron Matthew on the on the back end and the secondary as a force, that really helped. So you, you need the pass rush, you need a good cover corner, and you do need a safety to create havoc in the middle. And at the top of the draft, if you got a guy that can rush the passer like Chase Young, um, as far as I'm concerned, my beloved Giants blew it by beating the Redskins in a meaningless game late in the year. Uh, they'd be sitting pretty to take Chase Young. I don't think he gets past number two at the Redskins. Ron Rivera, their new head coach, uh, is a defensive guy. And when you've got a guy with a talent like that, his former defensive coordinator at Ohio State, Greg Schiano, now back at my alma mater, Rutgers, uh, compared him to a Joey Bosa and that, that's and, and, and a Nick Bosa. So that's high praise in terms of the pass rush hierarchy of the NFL. It is. It looks like when it comes to Chase Young, I think he is also one of the best prospects I've seen as a defensive lineman in quite some time. Derek Brown is no slouch either. So I think either of those two, I think they will go two, three. I think you're right when it comes to Chase Young. I think the Redskins will not let him go by. Detroit, Detroit needs everything, but as much as they might need a quarterback, I don't think they need a quarterback per se. I think you know, they're still getting some serviceable play at the quarterback position. But for right now, I think they do need some type of oomph 
in the defense and defensive line is what I'd start with when it comes to Derek Brown. I mean, there's just so much talent I see. I think it's a pretty good draft. I don't think it's the best draft I've seen, but I think it's a pretty good draft in depth overall. What are you hearing as far as the, from an overall talent standpoint, at least when it comes to the first and second rounds? Yeah, I think what you're going to see, you're going to see a couple of trends like the last pre, the last few drafts, um, as we mentioned, uh, past rushers high in the draft. And then um, you're going to see shutdown corners start to go because that's the other thing. If you can't get a pass rush, you need to have a guy that can shadow another team's top receiver. And I think we'll continue to see that. But the one interesting trend is there's a lot more wide receiver depth in this draft. I'm curious to see where Jerry Judy of Alabama and C.D. Lamb of Oklahoma a lot of people think they're the top two wide receivers in this draft. They're playmakers. If you see teams, especially with quarterbacks going high and then maybe some some D linemen getting taken or some shutdown corners, how far those guys fall? Because they may fall into the lap of a team that is either on the cusp of being a playoff team or maybe a playoff team that went out early and needs some wide receiver help. Uh, I think they could be in a good situation heading into next season. So um, those are two names, just the guys I watched in college, I think of a tremendous amount of talent in our NFL ready. We'll be right back with more fantasy football. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Now, we spoke of about the top three quarterbacks in the draft, and it's a pretty clear tier to have those three at the top of the draft. But then it falls off. But you're going to probably see some in the late first round, some in the second round, maybe go a little bit higher than expected. If you're going to see any quarterback move up, who will that be? Well, you know, there's been a lot of buzz of Jordan Love of Utah State and I've even been reading some things recently where they think maybe the uh, Patriots take him towards uh, the latter portion of the first round. Um, frankly, I've never seen the guy play, but this is a guy who has got a tremendous amount of buzz around him. Teams think he's NFL ready, and perhaps if he uh, lapses into the latter part of that round, um, maybe even a team like the Green Bay Packers take him and pull what they did, what, 15 years ago when they – drafted Aaron Rodgers, even though they had legendary Brett Favre as their starting quarterback. So I think that's an interesting storyline there. And uh, that seems to be the name that's been buzzed about the most uh, after Herbert. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I've heard a lot of buzz on him. I wouldn't sleep on Fromm from Georgia. Uh, I know Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, he – I feel bad for the guy because he was once a really touted prospect at Alabama and led Oklahoma to a great season, but I still think he, he can go ahead and be an impact player in the NFL, but he just has not been given the kind of love 
obviously because Tua turned out to be a better quarterback, but I still think he can find his niche in the NFL. Yeah, I think a team if they if they've got a quarterback already and they got time to groom him, um, I think that'd be good. Look at what the uh, not to say they're the same kind of player, but maybe in the mode of what the Ravens did drafting Lamar Jackson, even though they had Joe Flacco there. Let him sit a year, let him learn the game a little. Um, they kind of got similar games, although I think Jackson's uh, unbelievably fast and uh, more gifted in the size department. But uh, there, there's a name right there. And I can agree with you with Fromm, too. He was highly touted coming out of high school going to Georgia. He had a, uh, he had a rough year this year. Some people thought he might even stick around for his senior year. But you know, what, what would you think of someone like a, a Belichick in New England drafted or even have I mentioned Green Bay or another scenario with a team that, like I said, may have an older quarterback or they want to be patient with Fromm? Um, I think he's got the skills, and if he gets with the right coach or offensive coordinator or quarterback guru, could pay off in the long term. And there are a number of stories like that in the NFL. Look, the uh, the boom bust rate on top picks at quarterback, or even in the first round, is you know at best maybe a fifty fifty split. I mean, it's re- really a coin flip these days. And not every quarterback going to the Hall of Fame was a uh, consensus number one or someone picked in the top five. They just don't always pan out. We'd like to see that, and I think it could be a situation with Jalen Hurts that, as we saw in Baltimore, where an individual chosen a quarterback later in the first round, or in this case, he could fall as far as maybe the third round. Uh, it could be something that could be a benefit for whoever picks him up late in the second round, early in the third round, because I believe he has the talent you know, to be an effective player in the NFL. He, he is, his stats at Alabama were very good. It's just that Tua at the time had so much momentum behind him. And I think Hurts was just in a losing situation from day one there when it came to Tua once Tua stepped on the field. But I still think he could be a very effective quarterback. And I think if he gets into the third round, I think somebody's going to snatch him pretty quick. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if someone like a Sean Payton in New Orleans, and look, I know there's a lot of buzz about Taysom Hill, but as far as I'm concerned, I think the jury's out on him being a starting NFL quarterback. He's he's a great weapon, and he's he's nice to have as a backup, but let's face it, Drew Brees is playing one, perhaps two tops in the NFL. I mean, the guy's already got his next gig lined up with NBC, so uh, Isn't that, that, that nice? could be a fit there. Yeah, a tough, great, great work if you can get it, right? Exactly. Once again, I'm talking to Chris Ardieri from Inside Sports. you got to check out his work on Inside Sports on Facebook. Also, as well, catch him on the Twitter at Chris L Sports. Chris, what are some of the other themes that you think should be running through the NFL draft, in your opinion? So, given these technological issues and the fact that some GMs really um... – are not that well versed in using things like Zoom or multiple phone lines or video conferencing or IM or I don't know what they're going to be doing to, to communicate with their staff. But if there are going to be trades, do you think perhaps these have already been worked out now and or in the kind of mindset of hey, uh, worst case scenario, we've got a handshake deal. Deal if the Wi-Fi crashes or my computer freezes, I could pick you up on the old. Uh, cordless phone and call you and get this deal done and we'll phone it into New York. So I'm wondering if there's a lot of behind the scenes maneuvering going on now where you're not going to have these deals where there's five minutes left on the clock, just from a technological and operational perspective. Uh, 
it, it could be getting very hairy to try and get that done with the, the clock ticking down like that. So I think that's one storyline there. And then two, um, kind of interested uh, the, the Raiders under Mike Mayock and Gruden last year was Mayock's first draft as GM, but they're sitting there with two first round picks. Uh, I'd like to see what they do with those two picks. I, I frankly, I think uh, Mayock did a good job with the picks he had last year and uh, bigger picture. Let's not forget at the time, this team was vilified for trading Khalil Mack right before uh, the season started two years ago. And uh, you asked me if they hit on a couple of these picks again, I mean, that's, that could be not, I mean, this is the greatest haul ever, but it could be something like Jimmy Johnson pulled off dealing Herschel Walker, where the Raiders are going to get a lot of young talent locked up on the first year contract and build depth on both sides of the ball. So I'm interested to see what they do there this year in the first year in your hometown of Vegas. Well, it's my adopted hometown. I still have SoCal in the heart as well. I mean, both places are great. The Raiders, yeah, they've got to make an impression. They've got to follow the blueprint of the Golden Knights and make an impression and be competitive right away. Because if they're not with a town that has a lot of diversions, they'll end up, as you and I both know, once crowds are able to go back into the brand new stadium that's there, they'll go ahead and not fill that up fast. I know in Las Vegas, with all the different things that are that are available to us, you know, near the strip, outside the strip, what have you. If the Raiders are not a competitive team, yeah, it'll just be like you're watching it at Oklahoma, at Oakland or back at the mausoleum here at the Coliseum, <laughs> I should say, where it's like half empty stadiums and whatnot coming two, three years way too soon for a brand new stadium that we spent with our taxpayer dollars quite a substantial sum that I'm not still, to this day, not too happy about. And they could tell you that they passed it off on the tourists. But when they pass it off on the tourists, guess who the money doesn't go to in the long run? The taxpayers. Exactly. Or the or the hardworking people at the casinos. And then they can't go around. And, you know, it's just a trickle effect. So uh, I'm not exactly thrilled that they're here. But if they can compete and if they can go ahead and become a playoff team right away, that's going to change everybody's mind because winning overcomes all that stuff, all that adversity, all the negative flow, all the negative words that have gone on in regards to the stadium and whatnot. So if they can go ahead and win like the Golden Knights did, the sky's the limit here in Vegas. Everybody Absolutely. loves a win. And Everybody loves a winner in Vegas. Oh yeah. And, and frankly, uh, LA is no different. I think that's becoming a, a theme among a lot of these, uh, professional sports cities. Um, you know, the, uh, the Chargers change their uniforms today to the old school powder blue ones, and that's all well and good. But no one's going to be buying PSLs in this new stadium for the Chargers. Maybe they will for the Rams, but again, they're in salary cap hell right now. Will the fans come out now? Yeah, they got to a Super Bowl. They should have won, but they didn't. And they're now having to shed payroll and release and deal some of their stars or were in bad contracts. So I uh, completely agree. Winning trumps all. Winning does trump all, and I will just say this before we head on out. If you get a chance, uh, it's going to be all over the next three days from the 23rd on, 23rd, 24th, 25th. It is the NFL draft. It's going to be all over the ESPNs, the NFL networks, and all that. So I know a lot of NFL fans are looking forward to it, and we, during the course of this lockdown, could not have come at a better time for them, trying to find some new content to go ahead and lay their eyes upon so they can go ahead and 
start the instead of the water cooler talk go ahead and start the social media talk right away as far as did you get a good pick did you get not a good pick so what we'll do next week's show we'll go ahead and recap some of this or even if later this week that's up to you chris you tell me when you're available recap what's going on with the nfl draft some of your thoughts on the winners and losers and how it looks for fantasy wise for the upcoming season so i definitely want to take a look at that in the coming episode in regards to the nfl draft absolutely and i I think that's the fun part everyone uh, loves giving their report cards as it were and trying to project all right the uh the talk is over the over analysis is finished let's see who did well and now we can start looking forward to fantasy football hey this guy's in a good offense or this guy's a pass rusher that can really help a defense and uh, I think that's the fun part the fun doesn't have to end with the last pick Mr. Irrelevant of the draft and it all begins on April 23rd for the NFL draft we may be headed to the replay booth but we'll be right back with inside sports fantasy football For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, before we go ahead and talk about the last dance, one thing you wanted to go ahead and talk about, obviously, is what's going on with coronavirus and how it has shut down a great portion of America we see in states or some states, I should say them going ahead and taking the impetus on opening some things up, some more than others, some industries more than others. Some states are opening up more. Some states are opening up a little, some are doing a step-by-step. Some are just rushing it out there. I want to hear your thoughts uh, on how this correlates to the sports, because as things open up, one of the things that is so important is sports. And I've talked at length before, especially on the Lakers fast break about how important it is for the NBA to get back up and running to complete whatever's left of a season that they can go ahead and do, but also as well, other sports and just the fact that we'll be going ahead and having some type of diversion. But I want to hear your thoughts on the shutdown and, and how important sports are to this country you know, not just from an entertainment aspect, but from an industrial one as well. Sure. So, um, look, everyone you talk to that's even remotely interested in sports misses them. At this point, they would take any game, any professional league, as long as it was televised. They don't care if they can't go to the game and the games are played uh, in front of robots like the uh, like they're doing in Taiwan with baseball, for instance, or just no one at the stands. And there's a definite hole there. And you hit the nail on the head. It is entertainment, but... For me, I feel like it's the last form of unscripted entertainment. It's the real reality television. I won't go off on a a rant there on my soapbox about reality television because sports is it. And if you look at the TV ratings every year, the the dominant top-ranked shows tend to be NFL football games and the like. So that speaks for itself. I think we learned, too, is you, you hear this, a lot of people say it, and you think it's proverbial. Sports is big business. Well, what we've learned here is it really is. And you got to give kudos to a league like MLB, where they're setting money aside, millions of dollars for the, the workers at the various stadiums, just so they can get paid through this until things get back up and running again. But also, too, I mean, the amount of money these leagues make off of television rights is astounding. And um, like the NFL and the NBA... 
they want to get back up and running so they can at least get back on TV. Well, they missed the revenue from uh, parking, concessions, uh, ticket revenue. Yeah, they will. But uh, the NFL, for instance, I mean, I know they got the luxury boxes and the PSLs, but they're more worried about their television partners. And uh, these are huge multi-billion dollar industries we got to think about now. It's not just uh, fun. It's not just a bunch of overgrown kids following sports or playing games. Um, when the president is having a call with all the major sports commissioners uh, during this pandemic and how to get back up and running. That says a lot. You know, those are things that are reserved for big Wall Street banks or, uh, you know, manufacturing companies or tech companies, whatever it is. I, I think that speaks volumes. And yeah, it keeps us entertained. It keeps our minds off of things too. But there are a lot of people who make their livelihoods at this and it, it trickles down into different areas. It's Madison Avenue with revenue. Uh, if you were to just dissect it, you'll see uh, sports is uh, one of the most important industries in this country right now, I would argue. It is for many different reasons, but yes, it is just not only from a revenue generating standpoint, but also just from a, an emotional standpoint for many Americans out there who just want that type of diversion because of everything that's gone on in their lives that has been so negative. They can see this and view this as a positive once again because, you know, not too long ago, you know, December, January, February, we were experiencing sports on a wide spectrum and, and looking forward to the rest of the year as far as a great line of sports. And unfortunately, it hasn't ended up being it hasn't ended up being the case, but we're still going ahead, hopefully, with a football season and a basketball season and hopefully a baseball season, tennis, auto racing, whatever you want to do. And we'll just go ahead and be able to experience it live, even though fans may not be there. It still will be on television. It will still be something that we can talk about, communicate with. And you know, for many of us, that'll be a really good step in the right direction. Completely agree. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I think we're going to go back to your doghouse with your final point. So we're going to go back to the doghouse with Chris Sardieri. And this week's doghouse will be something sort of a, a, a dance, per se. <laughs> it will, and there's no underdog involved here. It's the uh, long-awaited, eagerly anticipated 10-part documentary, The Last Dance on ESPN, uh, some of the tremendous amount of foresight uh, back at NBA Entertainment, which uh, used to be run, coincidentally, by a guy named Adam Silver, another commissioner of the NBA. You may have heard of him. But uh, anyway, uh, ESPN got the rights to, to run this documentary and uh, Netflix overseas. And um, I know my kids are big basketball fans are looking forward to it. And it did not disappoint. Um, I think what's really cool is you see uh, this younger generation who grew up with Kobe and LeBron and a number of the other players that are still in the NBA trying to make valid arguments that their particular favorite player is the best, better than Jordan. And I think this will open people's eyes to just not only how great a player he was, but he was the, the biggest star in the world. You, you see in the first episode when the team went to Paris for an exhibition series and the guy was following around like he was a, like, like a worldwide movie star type celebrity. And uh, I think that's really cool. And I, I think too, you know, those of us who, remember that season, remember the Bulls dynasty and watching them. There are a lot of subplots behind it. Uh, Phil Jackson being told going in by Jerry Krause, it was going to be his last year. Um, Pippen being locked in on a, a deal where he was completely underpaid and 
then getting surgery late in the summer just almost spite the team and sit out a few months. Uh, Rodman's antics. These are all things we kind of remember, but we have to remember too is there were no smartphones. There was the internet, but the, the sports media didn't have the presence. It was now it was still predominantly print. and There were no camera phones to take videos of these guys off hours. So it was kind of, it was modern, but it wasn't the modern era we live in now. So a lot of these storylines maybe only got written by the local beat writer, didn't make the rounds nationally, or sports talk radio. So this is stuff that I vaguely remember, but to hear the stories behind it, it's it's almost like it's news to me. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I'm glad you did. For me, I'm not a Bulls fan, so I really didn't. I watched parts of it, and it just reminded me of the greatness of Michael Jordan because I do appreciate the fact that he is, well, as far as basketball terms, the uh, the most dominant player I've ever seen live or you know in a in a you know, while I'm alive but you know seeing him on the television and whatnot so I can appreciate how great a player he is and he was and what he did for the game of basketball and it gets to the point where it would be nice to see a last dance for a certain NFL team and if that was you know who which team which year which team would be a great uh, fit for that in your opinion uh, which would be the best what would be the best i think were would be following the patriots and brady what was ultimately is last year this past season but you and i know even if they did do that and i don't think they would you know belichick's a control freak and brady doesn't say anything um it would potentially be boring, but I think that that'd be compelling because that's the the closest thing I can like into a Chicago Bulls like dynasty. Both teams have six titles during their run, and they were led by uh, you know a a kind of a uh, a coach that many feel were the the best ever, and in, in their relative modern times of coaching in the NBA and the NFL, respectively. But I think that's the one that makes the most sense. The, the thing is, though, there are so few dynasties in the NFL. Maybe it's a team that had a great year, came out of nowhere. Um, the the Miami Dolphins undefeated, undefeated team. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd that be great. And I just the problem is these guys are so much older now, and some of them passed away, unfortunately. And Don Shula is still around. I think that'd be great. But, I mean, other than that, like the only real – you know, they had the Giants upset the undefeated Patriots. That, that'd be a great story. But that's just one year. It doesn't uh, – doesn't chronicle a, a year, you know, year by year, multi-year, decade-long dynasty, or you know, a season that was unbelievable, like the Dolphins had, for instance. Um, I would argue maybe the the Steelers steel curtain. Uh, Chuck Knoll's not around anymore, but a lot of those stars still are. And there's some good stories there. How Bradshaw and Knoll really didn't get along, and uh, you know, um, that defense was just so dominant. And mean Joe Green, everyone thinks of him from the Coke commercials. I mean. For me, remembering as a kid what a what an unbelievable team they were to watch. Maybe that's another one. A lot of good suggestions right there. And if you have any suggestions for which team would be a great thing for football's version of the Last Dance, let us know. Uh, first off, at Chris Hell Sports, or with us at Inside Sports FF on Twitter, or you can just email us isfantasyfootball at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, I'm excited for the NFL draft, all the pomp, all the circumstance. I know you are as well. Any last thoughts on the way out? Just enjoy the draft. Guessing if you can, uh, get some pizza and wings, maybe support your local uh, mom and pop restaurant. They, they need all the help they can get or whatever your food of choice is. Uh, 
enjoy it. I will say stay home, uh, keep your distance. You're not going to be able to go any sports bars to watch it now, but enjoy it. And I, I think this is just going to do gangbusters in terms of television ratings with uh, so many people starved for sports and being forced to stay home. I, I think uh, in an odd way, it's it's going to, it's going to be good for the NFL. I think in a weird way, it will be good for the NFL. It came under unfortunate circumstances, but it comes at a time when we sorely need it. Amen. Well, Chris, it's been great having you on the program once again. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the winners and losers of the NFL draft. Coming up on next week's edition of Inside Sports Fantasy Football. <laughs>